This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, Lance Wackerly. I'd like to inform you all, our beloved listeners, that this is the last episode of Sick and Wrong that I'll be doing myself because D should be back next week. Uh, hopefully. And his sister's irritable bowel. I'm sure they're going to be lot, eating lots of road food, making lots of roadside stops to, you know, the, fulfill the call of nature. Uh, the both of them. Actually, this is not a solo show because I am here, Rallo, with you. Rallo, yeah, you're here. Nobody cares. You're an annoying guest host. You're the worst backup ever. Well, you also suck at solo podcasting, so I thought I would give you a hand. Shut up! Get the fuck back here, Rob. All right, then. That's enough of Rollo for today. This is, in fact, a solo show. I've seen complaints on the internets that I do not put together the same quality show when I'm on my own that D does. He typically gets guests, porn stars, you know, famous people from the internet and beyond to come and talk to him. I'm uh, not as social a person as D, so that's my excuse. But I do have a topic prepared for tonight. And no, I'm not going to read from Betty White's, sorry, Betty Smith's A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, even though quite a few people have requested that I continue on with that. They're, they're really waiting to see what happens, even though, you know, that book's basically public domain. You could probably get it off the Internet, but people don't like to read. My topic of the evening, episode 245 is shitty executioners. And I'd like to focus on one shitty executioner in particular named John Ketch, although I always knew him as Jack Ketch. That's all I've always heard. He's an old-timey dude. He's been dead quite a long time. He's been dead now longer than he's been alive, I would think. He died in uh, November 1686, which is 300-some-odd years ago. Uh, I don't know how old he was when he died, but probably not 300 years. He was an infamous English executioner and employed by King Charles II. He was an immigrant of Irish extraction. And he performed most of his duties during the 1680s. Uh, I guess there were some, it was a tumultuous period in uh, the history of the UK. I didn't pay that much attention in history, so I don't really remember what happened back then, but uh, I assume I had to do, do with uh, the Catholics versus the Protestants. It seemed to be what most of the problems came from back then. He executed death sentences of William Russell, who was called Lord Russell at other times, in Lincoln's Inn Fields on July 21st, 1683. 
He executed James Scott, the first Duke of Monmouth. Monmouth? I don't know how to pronounce it. On July 15th, 1685, after the Monmouth, Monmouth Rebellion, once again, I did not pay attention in history class. I have no idea. If it's not in some interesting documentary with lots of graphic gore, I don't really, I'm not going to know these historical references at all. Catch's notoriety stems from his barbarity uh, at the way he uh, conducted these executions. I was going to say executed these executions, but that just doesn't sound right. Particularly of Lord Russell and the Duke of Monmouth and some other political offenders as well. The first printed notice of uh, the new hangman occurred in December 2, 1678, on a broadside, which I guess is a historical type of newspaper, uh, and the headline or name of the broadside was, and I quote, The Plotter's Ballad, being Jack Ketch's incomparable receipt for the cure of traitorous recusants and wholesome physic for a popish contagion, which in today's language means this dude is going to fuck up some goddamn Catholics and you guys should come down and check it out. It's going to be cool. Because of the way that he botched executions, the name Jack Ketch is uh, often used as a proverbial name for death, Satan, and executioner. So later executioners were sometimes just called Jack Ketch, even though they weren't the actual original Jack Ketch, the OG, as we uh, say in California, urban culture, of which I'm a big part. So let's get into the details of Lord Russell's execution. Ketch's execution of Lord Russell at Lincoln's Inn Fields uh, in 1683 was performed clumsily, some say. Another pamphlet titled The Apology of John Ketch, John, Jack, they don't use these names interchangeably. I've never understand that. Same thing with the Kennedys. And uh, this broadsheet uh, pamphlet contains his apology in which he alleges that the prisoner did not, and I quote Mr. Ketch, Dispose himself as was most suitable. I don't know what you're supposed to do when some guy's going to chop your head off, because I know I'd just be shitting my pants, literally. Well, on the occasion of this uh, execution of Lord Russell, Ketch wielded the instrument of death, which I guess is a gigantic axe, with such sadistically nuanced skill, or with such lack of dexterity, they can't tell if he was meaning to do it this way, or if it was just that he sucked at his job. I think the verdict's still out. That the victim suffered horrifically under blow after blow, each excruciating but not in itself lethal. So he's kind of just hacking away at this guy's neck as opposed to the clean slice that you would get with something like a guillotine, which I guess the English back then were too you know, anti-France to be using some uh, frog de- uh, execution device. Oh, sorry for the interruption. I had to get up and unjam Rollo's head from the toilet and stuff it down the uh, the garbage can because the water from the toilet wouldn't stop running. Anyway, back to the execution. Lord Russell, he's being just, just you know, hacked away at like some shitty golfer such as myself trying to, you know, get out of a sand trap, but it's actually happened to this dude's neck. Even among the bloodthirsty throngs because, you know, what else are you going to do back in the 1600s except go watch an execution? 
even these bloodthirsty throngs uh, that habitually attended English beheadings, the gore and agonizing display had created such an outrage that Ketch felt moved to write and publish a pamphlet titled The Apology, that's what I mentioned before, in which he excused his performance with the claim that Lord Russell had failed to quote, dispose himself as was most suitable, and that he was therefore distracted while taking aim on his neck. I guess a noble person isn't supposed to do things like, oh my god, oh my god, do that cover my head And then just weave your head all around so you can, like, try and keep away from the axe. Uh, if you're ever in that situation, just lay still, because it's going to be worse for you if you try and avoid the hatchet. Now on to the uh, Duke of Monmouth's execution. This happened at Tower Hill, which I guess is probably by the Tower of London, which I've always wanted to see. Uh, And it happened in 1685. On the scaffold on July 15, 1685, uh, the Duke of Monmouth addressed Ketch, referring to his treatment of Lord Russell. So he, he knew what he was in for with this fucking amateur guy. He said, "I have heard. Here are six guineas for you, which is, a, which is, I guess, a piece of money, not a, a, a derogatory, derogatory term for an Italian. Here are six guineas for you. Do not hack me as you did my Lord Russell. I have heard that you struck him three or four times. My servant will give you some more gold if you do the work well. That would just piss me off if I was the executioner. I'd be like, you know what? Keep your fucking money and put your goddamn head on the block." The Duke subsequently, or subsequently, sorry, somebody's uh, chided us for mispronouncing that word. Uh, he undressed. So I guess he just get fully disrobed there. That's kind of sexy. Uh, and he felt the edge of the axe expressing some fear that it was not sharp enough. I mean, seriously, backseat executioner, just shut up and, and do your part. Well, he didn't think it was sharp enough, um, but he still laid his head on the block. The first blow dealt by Ketch inflicted only a slight wound, after which the Duke struggled, rose from the block, and looked reproachfully at the executioner before sinking down once more. This is like if Moe tried to execute, you know, Shemp. That's how I picture this, you know, Three Stooges style. Ketch struck the Duke twice more, but still the neck was not severed, and the body continued to move. I, I assume at this point it's more like flailing. He's not still getting up and and giving him dirty glances. Yells of rage and horror rose from the onlooking crowd, to which Ketch flung down the axe with a curse and stated, I cannot do it. My heart fails me. So he basically gave up in the middle of the execution. The sheriff uh, present asked Ketch to take up the axe, man. So he's you know, telling, you can't, you can't quit in the middle of an execution. That's one thing you cannot do when you're an executioner. Uh, Ketch responded by once more taking up the axe and dealing two more blows to the Duke, killing him. Still, the head remained attached, and Ketch used a butcher's knife from the sheath on his hip to cut the last sinew and flesh that prevented the head from dropping. The crowd was so enraged that Ketch had to be escorted away under strong guard. So, I don't know. I mean, you guys think it's easy. This guy sounds like a buffoon, but I've never chopped somebody's head off. I've tried to, you know, sometimes cut that like last little piece of gristle off a off a pork chop, and that that can be d- tough. Although I don't, I don't have like a five pound axe that I can bring down on top of the table either. So 
I'm not going to pass judgment on this guy, but I'm also not going to say, you know, that he wasn't incompetent because, uh, you know, in my opinion, you just can't say one way or the other at this point. So actually, after this uh, second execution of of the Duke of Monmouth, uh, your your connoisseurs of execution of the time uh, pointed out that this execution of the Duke was even worse than that of Lord Russell. And they sort of think that because the Duke got up and, and sort of pointed out what a crappy do- job he did with the, with the Duke, uh, or sorry, with Lord Russell, that uh, maybe maybe Mr. Ketch here intentionally botched this one just to sort of get back at this dude or duke <laughs> and uh some people thought it was so egregious that they they really did think it was an inten- just intentional brutality which i guess you're not allowed to do if you're you're the royal executioner and uh in 1686 ketch was deposed and imprisoned at bridewell uh which i guess is a little bit of, a little jail they had back then so while Jack catches in prison, you know, they obviously need somebody else to carry out all these executions. They're just executing people left and right back then. So they, you know, the the, the queen, or, or I guess the king, Charles II, uh, assigns this other guy, Pascal Rose. Sounds like a weird English name. But um, this guy was actually a butcher. And... He was so shitty that he, he, there aren't even any stories about him. We all, all we know now is that he was hanged at Tyburn after four months in his office. He was so bad. And when Ketch got out, they put him back in the job because they said, well, you know, we thought you sucked, but until the next guy, we, we realized that you're, you're an all right dude. Well, as you, you would expect to happen, uh, where people were initially disgusted by his incompetence, um, he actually became more popular later on because people thought, like, if you're going to go see an execution, I guess uh, you might as well see, like, the gruesomest one you can, right? So his public executions would draw the most spectators, uh, and any criminal or nobility brought under Ketch's axe would quiver with fear. Although he specialized in executions, he also worked as a public whipper. He whipped people, criminals, and the like. Uh, his imp- most famous whipping victim was Titus Oates, inventor of the Popish Plot, which is in capital letters, meaning it's probably something else I should know from history class, but I was fucking off at the time. Uh, Titus, in May 1685, was sentenced to be whipped twice through the streets after being convicted of perjury. Oates was whipped from Aldgate to Newgate, which I guess they just sort of parade you around the town, was whipping you the whole way. Oh, that happened on May 20th, and then another day from Newgate to Tyburn on May 22nd. Uh, And people from the UK, I know I'm fucking up the names of these towns, but maybe it's your fault for having such fucked up town names. Both the whippings were uh, inflicted by Jack Ketch with the utmost severity. On the first occasion, the offender was whipped at the cart's tail. I guess there's a cart involved. On the second, he was dragged on a sledge, which is like a sled, but you drag it through the muddy street. And he was whipped from behind. So that's really all I have to say about Jack Ketch. I bet you I could do some more research and find some other shitty executioners. Maybe uh, in Muslim countries, they still do a lot of execution. Uh, Over here, I think the people often bungle the injection 
but I think they usually keep that under pretty tight wraps and it's hard to get information about, you know, the zany capers of the shitty modern day American executioner. Uh, the electric chair, it's kind of hard to fuck up. Although <clears throat> if you've seen the green mile, you know that you have to get the sponge wet or it's not pretty, but the guy still dies. Uh, gas chamber. I don't have much to say about that. I don't know why they don't, don't still use it. It seems pretty effective to me. Not, and not a lot of ways you can fuck it up. You put the guy in there, turn on the gas. He's dead. Uh, but what can we take away from this? Um, you know, if you want to be famous and known throughout history, you can be a dictator and, and, and force a bunch or convince a bunch of people to follow you, you know, into some nefarious, uh, world domination scheme. You can be sort of an industrial tyrant like Henry Ford and, and drive your employees like slaves to produce massive amounts of questionable quality product uh i don't know you could be really smart like einstein you could be really good like gandhi or something i guess but you can also just be really shitty at your job so shitty that you're well remembered and you know people will write wikipedia articles about you and um doesn't that sound a lot easier i mean just be epically bad at your job I think that's something that most people can attain, although you are going to have to work at it because if we're all trying to do really poor, uh, you know, perform really poorly in our jobs, then um, you're going to have a lot of competition. So, but I say go for it. The swarm, this is your, this is your new task. Just be so bad at your job that I can read about you in the news. All right, great. Thanks. Oh, shit. I almost forgot to uh, promote our sponsor. As everybody knows, or, or new listeners might be finding out as I speak right now, we're sponsored by adamandeve.com. It's uh, a place where you can get dildos, jack-off sleeves, porn, lube, uh, I don't know, cock rings, all sorts of nice stuff to for the bedroom, mostly. Or, you know, if you're solo, you kind of can jack off anywhere. Um... So take it away, sexy promo ladies. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. Want to add a little spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. Well, as you heard in the promo, uh, if you use Adam and Eve, just type in coupon code DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, and you can get the sick and wrong promotion of 50% off something or other, and 
six free adult DVDs and I don't know, free shipping or something. Uh, I don't guarantee any of that. I'm going from memory. So, but there, you do get a deal. And if you use the coupon code, uh, you get to support the show and we get, uh, some of the proceeds from that dildo purchase. Hello, Second Wrong Studios East. Can you hold, please? Hang on a second. Uh, thank you for holding. Who is this? Jesus, Whacker. What the hell's going on over there? It's D. Simon. Oh, hey, D. What have you been doing? What's going What is all this? Are you, are you doing a show right now, Whacker? This is my show. You called in while I was doing the show. No, I, mean, I I like it. It's very cute. It's, it's I like what you got going on here. Is this are you are you reading another one of your books? Cute? No, I'm no, not. I'm just saying it's 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 adorable. This little book thing you got. Are, are, is this like the Red Shoe Diaries? No, Lance no, Wacker no, thing? no. Remember that torture? That torture? Uh, no, sorry, that executioner guy thing that I wanted to do, and you were like, "That's gay. You can't do that." <laughs> Let's talk about sexy, sexy chicks instead. <laughs> the bumbling executioner. The what? The Jerry Lewis of executioners. Exactly, I remember that. Exactly, the Jerry Lewis of executioners. See, if you would have been here, you could have used that uh, term. I did no, I you know I actually did want to talk about that. I I, I do remember that. But Too late. It's done. Doing, it's in the can. I thought you were doing like a, a book thing where you re- you read books like the Red Shoe Diaries with uh, Lance Wackerly. Well, I didn't read any erotica. I read I read a uh, uh, what would you call that? A Victorian novel, and the female listeners seemed to like it, but the male listeners didn't. So I, I haven't been doing that lately. Seem to be repelled by you know. That actually would be kind of funny if you started doing sort of a uh, a Red Shoe Diaries thing. You, you, have you ever heard those podcasts where you have? I know a lot of girls do these kind of podcasts. A lot, a lot of girls. A lot of girls. Do you do, do you know girls. any that are done by men? <laughs> <laughs> then I, dude, I picked up this like, fat skank from the bar. I she could barely see. <laughs> probably doesn't. It probably knows at least one guy. <laughs> That does, that does a, an erotica podcast. I'm sure but there's, there's always some fat chick that does an erotica podcast where she's talking about her sexual exploits with people that you know are just disgusting looking. Yeah, the podcast the podcaster's probably chubby, and but the people she's out going out and fucking are probably just horrifically, just grotesque. I just I just picture these just yeah just these foul swingers, just these predatory, just uh, yeah mouth breathers, but. I just think it'd be funny if you did a Red Shoe Diaries thing, talking about your sexual exploits with yourself. Oh but yeah, because I was about to say I don't really have a lot of sexual exploits, but I do <laughs> wank quite a bit. It would just be great. Just be like, do a whole podcast where you just talk about your wank you had the night before. But I'm pretty. You know, ru- like- I'm pretty routine. Is the problem? I don't. I don't put a lot of variation into it you know after all these after all these after all these years me and my hand were like an old marriage (laughs) every wednesday same position same same location 
Same See, I think rhythm, if you're doing everything. a podcast about it, you'd spice it up. I think your relationship with your hand would be a little more, I don't know, more involved. I think uh, you guys would grow closer. Yeah, we have been pretty distant lately. Haven't been talking a lot. <laughs> so, Wanker, it's uh, good to be back on uh, on Sick and Wrong. Well, you know, via, I, um, via phone from two yeah, times, yeah. three times it's, on uh, it's kind of nice that yeah, I listened to your show last week and it sounds so much better than it has um, in the past when you've well, done those solo Patel shows. Well, got me some better audio equipment that he loaned me, and then this week I actually have audio equipment that I purchased myself, and I swiped one of the microphones from the actual Sick and Wrong studio. That's why it's yeah, no, it, it 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 sounded really good, and it definitely sounds good now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, it sounds just as good as when we normally do it. So who the fuck needs you? I'm yeah, doing my own red shoe, exactly, red shoe wackerlies. <laughs> so yeah, you know I've been uh, on Gulag here in Michigan uh, for what? I'm, I'm going on three weeks now, aren't I? Uh, one. Two, yeah, this would be the third week that you're gone. Well, I guess yeah, you're here virtually now. I'm, 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 I'm getting fucking insane. This is, I'm mean, seriously, it's, it's, it's beginning to taint my mind being in this state, but. Yeah, you know, I've been. It's been kind of a difficult month for me. Obviously, everybody knows the uh, rabbi passed away a couple weeks ago, and uh, hence that's why I'm in Michigan for three weeks, settling every everything here and taking care of matters. But I want to thank everybody out there for the outpouring of support, which I was quite stunned by because I don't even know how they found out. It seems like they found out before I found out. It, yeah, it doesn't seem how, how like it. They happen, did. Though? I don't know. Internet because you didn't thing. do the show that week. Uh, we had the uh, the John Steele interview that week. Exactly. But yeah, so it, I don't I would, know. Uh, Internet sleuthing, or or they just knew that you were gone. I don't know. They didn't even know it was pre-recorded. So I don't. I would think maybe they knew you were gone and they just figured. But we tricked them by pre-recording that show. So how would they even know you were gone? You know, I was blown away by the outpouring of support and the condolences that I received on Facebook. I mean, there must have been like. A few hundred, and it's been great. Even some chick, uh, Ivy, sent me a picture of her pussy, and it said, uh, "Did you see that?" Yes, I saw it on the forum. Yes, yeah, it said I, I liked it. It said like 4D, and then a little Jewish star over her her pubic hair, and then it said uh, from the rabbi on the side. So it was Which is it, a little I, weird. I think, well, you know, it, it, not the most appropriate thing in the world, but still heartfelt nonetheless. And I thought it was kind of great as if, like, my father from beyond the grave was like, D, here's some pussy for you. Thanks for being a good son. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's, how, this, that's like, how the swarm expresses condolences. Well, I kind of felt like my, my, my father was using rabbi power from beyond the grave to, to convince girls to, uh, you know, send me pictures of their vaginas. It, it did make me feel better. I like yeah. that. Well, when you, but, die, when you die, you get clarity in heaven. You're like... Oh, what did D always... That's what he always wanted was a picture of a pussy. <laughs> it's so I, I clear to me now. Like, you know, my son was a good son, and I would like to reward him in a way that he would enjoy. How about a vagina, a hairy vagina? Yes. Just right from the rabbi. Thank you for being a good son all these years. This is a covenant from me to you. <laughs> But, you know, I was flattered by it, and I was stunned, and I appreciate all the support, but it's got to stop now. The, the, I, shi I, the shiva period is over? It's, it's done. The, the condolences. I just want to go back to a normal Facebook page with uh, 
with filth and and porn and 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 disgusting links that that no normal person would want to see. And that these the sappiness and the, the 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 pathos and the feelings and the emotions that are that have been coming back, although flattering and heartfelt. I think it just kind of run its course. Yeah, dude. Don't call it sappiness. People are just trying to, you know, uh, let you know that they're there for you in your time of need. But I did wonder when I was looking at your page, like, how's D going to sift through all this and get to its, like, dirty uh, video links and stuff like that? Yeah, and just, gr- grotesque <laughs> accident footage. I've had to, like, go through and be like, you know, wait, yeah, where all, where's all the, the, the links of somebody in a horrific car accident or a girl farting and actually, like, sharding her pants or something? I'm just... In the middle of everyone, it's like, D, I'm sorry about the rabbi, or I'm sorry about your loss. And then there's a picture of a girl, like, sharding, and then I'm like, okay. But well, you had, had to, to scroll through, you had to scroll like, through like, 75 yeah. posts to get there. <laughs> it, it took me a while. And I appreciated everybody, but from this point on, no more condolences, okay? If you do, I'm going to send you a picture of my taint. <laughs> well, people might, ta- people taint. might take you up on that offer, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. I can imagine a Vincent Price voiced guy. Oh, finally, an avenue to, to obtain my desire. So I, I've been on Gulag here, um, dealing with the, uh, with, with you know, with my father's death, and it, it's been difficult. The reason it's been so time consuming is that my father lived in Michigan. The funeral is here, and then the, the burial was in Chicago. So we've had to go from Michigan to Chicago. To uh, bury him, and w- one thing I've realized, which I never back did before, to Michigan now. Back in Michigan now, kind of settling everything and uh, moving all the stuff out of his apartment and, and all that. But one thing I've realized, and I don't know how aware people are of this, but funerals are not cheap. My my father's funeral over fourteen thousand dollars. Now, was he cremated or casketed? Not to put too fine a point on it, but. No, it has to. It, you know, Jews cannot be cremated. It's against Jewish law. Do you think it's cheaper to do that, dude? A million times cheaper. I would. That's what. That's what I'm. I'm but saying. I don't know because you still. Some people still, when they get cremated, they still get interred at the cemetery, and you still have the ceremony and all those costs. And uh, I think it's wake. a third. It's a third of the cost. Oh. I think to have to be cremated because what you're paying for is you're paying for the casket, which is expensive. You're paying for the uh, the internment, which is more expensive than it would be with if you're just you know putting a mason jar. Now, were were Jews against cremation before Auschwitz or because of Auschwitz? Nah, that, I think they're I think they're against cremation before Auschwitz. Oh, I think wow. it's just it's been Jewish law. I don't know why. Well, that makes the concentration camps that much worse. Then. Well, no, I do know why. It's supposed to be you're supposed to come into this earth and leave the earth in the in the same fashion. Okay. I think like the same body. You're not supposed to alter your body, but you know, <laughs> they they surgically alter you to look like an infant again and like saw off all your extra body mass. That doesn't make you know, any I'm, sense. I'm, I should see. This is a question I'd ask my dad, but uh, we're going to need a medium to ask these Jewish questions now. Well, there were other rabbis at at the funeral, right? You could have you could have given them your card, your sick and wrong card, and said, "Hey, can we call you with questions?" Because we need a new Jewish, rabbi correspondent. We don't have any other rabbi correspondents. I know. You know, I have no idea why you can't be cremated, but I want to be cremated. And I feel that most people should. Actually, this is my recommendation. Because funerals are not cheap, and they're sad. Like, that's that's the one thing about Jewish funerals that I've noticed is it, it, what, they, what they do is they, they focus too much on the sadness. So you're sitting around, you go to the funeral, and then you're supposed to sit shiva 
for seven days. And you're supposed to sit in somebody's house and you're supposed to reflect on the, the experiences you spent with your loved one, your deceased loved one. And it's sad. It's, it's sad. It's sad. It's drawn out. Do you get a booze up? No, there's no drinking. Not even Manischewitz. You're just eating food. That's why I like what the Catholics do. The Catholics have a party when there's a funeral. Right, the wake. The wake. And that's, I think, the the way it should be. I think what what you need to do is be cremated and uh, just disperse a little bit of ash in everybody's Jameson. (laughs) You're always squirting your ash into people's stuff that they have to eat then. I'm not cool with that. Why? What's wrong with that? Then you it's get gross. to enjoy me. It's gross. Okay, all right. How about this? This is what I was thinking too, which I which I think my father should have done. Is I read about a group, a UK company called And Vinyl. It's offering people a chance to press their ashes in a vinyl recording of their own voice, their favorite song, or their last will and testament. Oh, I know your dad liked the Beach Boys a lot. He loved the Beach Boys. I, I often wish thought they that he was... all could be California boys. <laughs> I often thought he was in the band Mungo Jerry. You remember that band? I do remember that band. You they told me that. that Quinn the Eskimo? Did they say, I, don't know, I know they sing that song. In the summertime when the weather's fine. You know that one? Was Your he the lead singer or was he like the tambourine guy or something? I, you know, I think he might have been the drummer. Oh. But I'm not quite sure. But I, I did see some pictures of my dad with an afro before he like joined the rabbit and everything. He looked Mungo so Jerryish. You know, I bet you it would have been a lot cheaper to press him into a vinyl song, and then you get to enjoy him anytime you want. Sounds good to me. <laughs> what would your song be, Wackerly? Were there a lot of Mungo Jerry fans at the funeral, like like hiding in the back, trying to remain inconspicuous? You know. There were a couple fans, or there were a couple people out there. I don't want to say they're miscreants, but there were people that I didn't recognize. I think they might have been Goyim uh-huh. that were in the back that I was kind of, you know, like uh, casting a wary eye, saying, you know, what are these people crashing my dad's funeral here for? They might have been fans but, of Mungo Jerry. Yeah, they, they could have been the Mungo Jerry fans. <laughs> you know, was was kind there of, a guy you know, named Mungo Jerry, or was is it like Leonard Skinner where that's just like the name of the band? I think Jethro it was the Tull. name of the band. Okay. You know, people people probably that listen to this show probably have never heard of this band. Or even <laughs> the song In the Summertime. Well, I was what? I haven't picked a song of the week yet, so I think in the summertime, Uncle Jerry. Dedicate right, to my it. dad. I'll find it. That's a good one. You know what's kinda of funny at the funeral? I'm not gonna focus too much on this, but uh the uh one of the the rabbis there were five rabbis that were actually my father's colleagues that were doing the the funeral reading the eulogies and everything. I actually delivered a eulogy myself really um yeah, it was difficult to do <laughs> really but, after uh, all your podcasting experience, you didn't get up there and go like, "Welcome everybody, welcome to my <laughs> eulogy i'm d Simon." <laughs> I pretty much started like, good evening, welcome to my father's eulogy, this is D. Simon, and then I was waiting for your voice to chime yeah. in, but you're nowhere to be found. This eulogy is sponsored by adamandeve.com. <laughs> right now you get 50% off any, oh wait, we're doing the eulogy, sorry about that, He's getting carried away. Force of no, but, uh, so the other rabbi, the, the one of the rabbis, a good, good rabbi named Rabbi Loss here, um, from uh, Temple in uh, Michigan, was delivering on the eulogies, and he, he said, he goes, I'll never forget that picture of Rabbi Bob 
blowing the chauffeur in front of the Sphinx. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because he meant chauffeur. You didn't chauffeur. say chauffeur. He said chauffeur. <laughs> chauffeur. And so I, I didn't even pick up on it, but I heard a bunch of people in the back laughing. Tee-hee. <laughs> I was like, uh, blowing the chauffeur in front of the Sphinx. Well. <laughs> yeah, he, he did that. He did that. So uh, moving on here, a couple other things I've noticed. If um, When delivering a eulogy, refrain from using the term fucking A. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, you're um, you're I, grieving, I, though, so you don't want to put too many restrictions on yourself. No, I know. You're grieving. I think that's why you can say fucking A or you can use motherfucker. And people aren't going to say anything because they know you're upset. But they it still makes cunt, people feel The word cunt probably wouldn't fly. I probably wouldn't use, yeah, I probably wouldn't use uh, cunt. Oh, one thing I noticed, too, is um, you'll never know what you might find when you're clearing somebody's house up when you die. So before you die, you should get rid of all your porn and all your, like, uh, things that you don't want people to see. Well, no, you're supposed to have a bro agreement with one of your bros that, dude, if I die, here's where all my embarrassing shit is. Here's where a key is hidden. Come into my house and get rid of all my shit before, like, you know, my kids or my parents or my grandkids or my grandparents come find it. Well, Wacker, will you will you promise to destroy my computer? <laughs> oh, I'll destroy it. I'll throw <laughs> it at the crackhead on the out in the alley. You know, I'm I'm just no erase it, dude. You just got to erase it because I'm worried about what people will think of me if they see the porn I have on my computer. Yes, I, I, I will. If you'll do the same for me, you got to come take that robotic jack-off machine, too. Now I'm leaving that, and I'm going to inscribe it with your name. Well, I'm not like, fucking I, deleting your, your hard drive then, bitch. All right, I'll, I'll destroy that, and I'll destroy I'm going to give it to a fan, though, with your picture embossed on the side or something. That's fine, as long as my parents don't know about it. So I, I found my dad, which I was kind of surprised. My dad had a whole little bottle of Cialis, and they were like, I don't know, like 25 pills left. So I took them. And I was thinking, is you that mean, weird? You mean you pocketed them. You didn't eat all 25 No, I didn't pop 25 <laughs> Rabbi Cialis pills. I'm just saying I, I pocketed them. That would be and dangerous. And I was thinking, is that weird? Especially right before the eulogy, that would not be a good idea. <laughs> oh, my I don't. I took some pills. I can't help it. <laughs> I have a huge raging boner in this time of grief. I'm not that excited right now. It's just uh, it's it's physically happening to me, and I can't avoid this right now. You know, it's not something I have control over. Um, no, I, I, do, do you think it's weird for me to take my father's boner pills? Well, yes, of course. <clears throat> I do think it's weird, but is I mean, is there a risk that if you take them, you're like, oh, this is great, I've got a big raging boner. But then when you run out of them, you're not going to be able to get a boner without them? That's what I'd be worried about. I, I don't know. I just, I, you know, it's just, this is what I was thinking. You're just going to ride I've, the snake and find out? <laughs> no, I've, I've taken uh, Viagra before. I've had a, I've, I think I've had like one, one Viagra at one time. Right. They're kind of hard to come by. I mean, you got to go to see a doctor and, and get a prescription for it. But here I have like a, you know, a bunch of Cialis. And I was thinking what's great about having Cialis is you could say goodbye to Whiskey Dick. Right. Like, there's no way that, uh, that, that you know, it's like you, you drink a lot and you're about to ready to pass out, but then you could just take one of those and still pass out 
but the girl can you could still have sex. Uh, but let it's me amazing. say let me say this: being uh, a purveyor of erotic stories on my podcast, my Red Shoe Wackerly's podcast, Shoe Wackerly, <laughs> there's an actual reason for whiskey dick. It's it's like a natural protective mechanism because if you have whiskey dick, chances are you've drunk a lot of whiskey, and the girl that you're about to have sex with is somehow going to be regrettable. Not that she's ugly, but maybe she's a psychopath. Maybe yeah, you're, maybe you're related. Your, maybe it's your best friend's girlfriend. Your drunken ass. Right, but sometimes having whiskey dicked is like is is a way to protect yourself. So, Cialis, yeah. you're circumventing that natural protective ability. I guess I guess I see what you're saying. So, I mean, but you know what? What about it? What about if it's your girlfriend? You know. Haven't you ever had that girlfriend that's like, yeah, that would have been great to have sex last night, but uh, wet noodle, whiskey dick. No, that's like, never that's, ne- take- that's never happened to me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Mail me the Cialis. This is, well, I was just thinking, okay, yeah, whiskey dick, huh? I'll take three of these Cialis, see how whiskey this is. Right. But I don't know if that's a good idea. I, I Plus, I find it a little bit weird. We're kind of missing the point here. This belonged to my father. Oh, right, yes. Do you think it's disrespectful? You know, it, no, it's just weird. Is it weird? Is it weird for me to, to pocket those? Should I throw them away? Well, I don't think you should. You could at least sell them to somebody. You want some Cialis? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying anything on <laughs> you. 20 bucks a pill. All right, Is that the friends and family discount? Come on. <laughs> Come on. The third thing here is I noticed if um, if you have a loved one or a relative well, that's me out then. <laughs> well, if you have a relative or a loved one who's dying of a terminal illness and is on hospice care, odds are they're going to have some pretty like potent narcotics that they're on. Really, and we're not so, talking. We're yeah. not talking about the Cialis at this point. We're talking about narcotic drugs. I'm talking about like uh, my father is getting Dilaudid and morphine and just some really, yeah, like uh, hydromorphone, like some really just potent opiates and painkillers. And I was thinking, you know, what are they going to do with all these drugs? You know, I'd say if the patient dies, what do, what do you do? I was like, cool, I'm just going to get all this, uh, you know, all these painkillers and get some liquid morphine. You know what? Hospice nurses flush it all down the toilet. They don't even give it to the next guy? I couldn't believe it. They just assume that you're. It. They just assume that your dad like licked everyone, and they can't give it to the next person. That seems wasteful. No, they they just they just came in and cleaned house. Like I mean, we were you know distraught obviously afterward, but they just came in and cleaned house. No more narcotics. And you didn't. So, you didn't. You didn't like palm any of them or anything like that. No, I didn't even have a chance. I I, I, I figured they would just kind of leave it. I didn't think they were going to just like clean house on it. Yeah. Hmm. You know, so, so that's what I'm saying here. People plan ahead, okay? <laughs> plan ahead and just hide some of that morphine somewhere. But they gotta have <laughs> some. But they have some sort of inventory system too, though. So they know that, like, if you try and take like 50 of those pills, they know that your dad didn't take all 50 of them. Yeah, they. I think that's they, they have like a chart where they they check it. I, I just figured. If but at the same time, it's not like the hospice nurse is a cop. Like, did you take those pills? You're like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want them back? All right, here you go. All of them, and then you like still keep five behind. Yeah, that's what I was. You know, I was a little surprised. I kind of uh, missed the boat on that one. Yeah. So, um, 
And uh, finally, People, you know, you don't have a lot of experience, you know, times in your life to practice this sort of thing, which I guess is a blessing. Yeah, stealing drugs from the terminally ill. No, I haven't really done that many times. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's something. That's a skill set I need to brush up on. Um, well, my final thing here is uh, make sure you get a Jewish lawyer. Just uh, after the fact, I don't know where my father found his lawyer, but uh, definitely not Jewish. Really, and completely incompetent. It's, it's difficult for me to, to, to describe this lawyer without using the term boob. <laughs> like, I just can't think of another Would you word call to describe him. Incompetent boob? <laughs> just incompetent boob. Mm. Like, that's I, I, just looking at the guy, you'd be like, wow, dude, you look like a total boob. Cheap suit. Like when you, what? Cheap suit. Cheap suit, and just this, like, it's, it's, it's this, like, if this expression on his face is just like this constant look of bewilderment. Like his mouth is always open and he's always kind of looking up and he speaks really slowly with these like elongated pauses in between words. Drives me fucking nuts. Yeah, I don't know who else does that. But, uh, maybe, <laughs> A boob does. Maybe, maybe he has that disease where he can't change his facial expression. <laughs> you know, I have no idea, but that's not a good disease for a lawyer to have. Well, maybe like, you I, get I some sympathy from the jury. <laughs> maybe, but for your clients, they just want to like stab you in the face with a screwdriver. Yeah, don't. So do I'm that. just saying, get a Jewish lawyer, someone with the last like maybe the last time uh, the last name of like something with Steen on the end of it or Berg. Steen, you're, Stein, you're Berg. Fine. Yes. Silver Bergstein, that would be good. Man is a good ending sometimes. Hyman, Silverman. Hyman. That's a good first name. That's, yeah. that's good. And a last name. So all in all, that's pretty much all I've learned in my stay here in Michigan. But thank God I am leaving tomorrow. So tomorrow th- three, I will be three, gone. We- three weeks and you got four bullet points of knowledge. Doesn't, seem very, it, doesn't seem very efficient. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, four bullet points that I've elaborated on. Those are the only four observations I've made. So you'll be sure dr- you'll be driving back next week, and then okay, next week we'll do a, nor- a normal one. show? Next week will be a uh, normal show, and I think it's long overdue. I actually kind of miss being back in the sick and wrong studio, doing what I do best, you know? Jacking off? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll come over after you're done doing what you do best, and maybe we'll record a show. Red Shoe Diaries. Hey, I don't, rem- I don't remember what the Audible promo is or what the deal is. What is it again? Audible.com slash diddle, and you get a free book or something? Wackily, that, that is so lackluster. <laughs> I know, but I forgot. anybody to get a book. You didn't write me the – you didn't give me the, the promo copy. All I, all I remember is iPod player. Just wing it, buddy. I am. I am right – what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> you know, I don't even know it offhand. It's something like uh, you write audiblepodcast.com slash diddle and then, yeah, you get a book. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. It's something that we'll figure it out. matters. How many of our ne- our listeners actually read? I don't know, but next week we'll be back on track and we'll be pushing this audible business. So that 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 all depends, though, if I actually make it back to San Francisco because I'm driving in a car with my sister. You might just all the way in a from horrible, Detroit, oh, Michigan to San Francisco. <clears throat> Her voice might just distract you, and you might run into a bridge embankment. Or the entire car might be filled up with diarrhea, and I'll drown. Oh, well, there, 
You should bring a snorkel and stick it out the window at all times. <laughs> that, yeah, actually, then I'd uh, then I might actually survive. But could you imagine? I mean, just from you know, in her defense, could you imagine being stuck in a car with me for forty hours? Not 40, but I, I have driven all the way to the podcrafting convention in Ontario, which was about a seven-hour drive, and I will never do anything like that again. Yeah, that seemed like, oh, my God, dude. That was so annoying. I remember I was bitching probably nonstop, like two hours. Ah, it's hard for me to even spend that much time with myself in a car for that long. If your sister needs some, like, timeouts, just have her call me, and I'll talk her down. Because I've been there, man. I'm like a support group. I just picture a lot of uh, Taco Bell being eaten along the way. And a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot stops of, uh, at toilets. see rest stops. That'll be pleasant. Yeah, I think that'll be pleasant. But yeah, we're, we're taking off tomorrow, so I'm hoping to be back in uh, San Francisco by Sunday or Monday. You know, you should try and rendezvous with Trucker Paul at one of those rest stops. Maybe you know, you can, I'm wondering you can point, if, uh, point in the direction of some lot lizards. I'm a little worried as I'm driving down Highway 80 if some truck is going to come by and just, like, bean me, like, through the open window with, like, a bag, a Walmart bag full of feces. And then you'll just hear, lick my balls. That would be amazing. (laughs) I'm just going to be like, that was so funny, but what a dick. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time, but I don't know. Right. But wackily, it sounds like you're uh, definitely hanging in there and putting out quite a show. Quality product. Quality programming here. Yeah. A lot of people wrote in, too. I was looking at some of the email. Haven't had a chance to go through that much, many uh, different emails, but a lot of people wrote in that, uh, thank God you're not reading the book, and when you do your own show, you've uh, really come into your own. Oh, really? Great. I've had a lot of people emailing me <laughs> requesting that I follow up with the book. They want to hear the chapter two. But, chapter you know... Two, the, the, well, it's a, it's a different made... show, really. The book book nook is its own offshoot. I should just, I should do those on like Monday nights. You should almost yeah. You should almost have a book nook that comes out yeah Monday night like uh, that 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 comes out before the regular show. Yeah, like I'm gonna fucking do that. <laughs> now that you got all this fancy recording equipment, there's one way. <clears throat> all I request to kick that off one blowjob associated with the show. One blowjob. One girl, blow me, and I'll start doing that. You know, I think that's 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 completely fair. There you go, ladies. I, I think the gauntlet's been cast. It's like you will get an extra sick and wrong sponsored podcast, The Book Nook, featuring Lance Wackley, for just a blowjob. Weekly, for all eternity, for one blowjob. Is it that? Is it that? Is your blowjob that precious that you can't give it up for just for that like level of entertainment? I think not. And not to mention, think about it, it's a selfless act. You're you're helping so many other people enjoy Book Nook. Right. You. Not only is it charitable to me, Lance Wackerly, but it's charitable to all the other listeners who would uh, benefit from listening to the Book Nook. Mother Teresa would have done it. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want Mother Teresa gumming my dick. <laughs> Did she even have teeth? No. <laughs> At one time she did, obviously, but not towards the end. It might feel good. It might feel good. <laughs> well, all right, Wacker. Um, I don't want to disrupt your red shoe diaries. Why don't you get back to your masturbation? Oh, stories? it's over. No, it's over for the night. Once you get off, we're done here. But but what? We're gonna play some Mungo Jerry to close it out. Song of the week. Next week we'll do. Summertime? Next week we'll do. Call- I did some email or some calls last week, 
but we'll get back to more calls and emails next week from the listeners because I know they get antsy when they call in and then they don't hear their their voice on the cast. Yeah, people, I, we, we promise next week. Um, obviously, you can understand there's been some disruption in D. Simon's life this past month. Next week, back on track with a regular sick and wrong show. It's been a lot of sick stuff happening in the news that we've completely ignored, Wagger. Yeah, well, I can't do stories by myself. It's just like me talking to myself. It's not fun. But uh, And we're closing in on episode 250 also. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, that's coming up? Oh, yeah. Shit. You know what that we're means? Jaeger. Jaeger. <laughs> Jaeger Fest. That's I what just we need pl- to do. We're going to need to plan something. I just planned it. <laughs> Jaeger Fest. You know we have a whole bottle in the uh, sick and wrong freezer. Is it chilling for the for episode 250? <laughs> So there you go, people. We'll be back next week with a real episode of Sick and Wrong. None of this solo episode crap. Uh, we're going to be just back to a regular, normal show. In the meantime, what? Go visit the uh, Sick and Wrong store and yeah, uh, buy, buy yourself a, a Sick and Wrong tea. But nobody's just, nobody's been shipping those out since you've been gone, right? Is there like a backlog? Oh, yeah. I feel kind of bad about that. And uh, people, you'll be getting your shirts soon. Believe me, I just got to be back in town in order to ship them because Wacker's never going to go to the post office and do it. Well, the shirts are in the studio. I don't have keys to it. Okay, but even if you did, would you still still mail it? I still wouldn't do it. (laughs) Is there, you know, I haven't been on the forum for a while. Has there been any action on the forum? Oh, yeah, a lot of posters. I noticed that there's, uh, you know, I always used to say that there were like, what, 4,000? I used to inflate the numbers a bit, but uh, I noticed, though, there's got to be like around 330, 350 now. <laughs> you just admitted to inflating the numbers, and now you're trying to inflate the numbers again. I don't know how many people are on there. There's I, a lot last of... time I checked, they were like over 300. That might be true. That might be true. And there's these, a I don't people, think there's a lot of people posting. Like, it's back, it's, li- it's lively. I feel like, you know, everybody's being uh, courteous, yet, you know, still sick and wrong to each other. There's still vitriol, same level of vitriol, but people have this kind of, yeah, respect for each other that comes from, like, you know, fellow sick and wrong listener. Right. It's nice. It's good. But it's a, yeah, it's a convivial atmosphere. A lot of, uh, a lot of action. I got to get back in. I got to get back into it. I've kind of been in Gulag and in Gulag. I mean, I'm not even using my own computer right now. Right. Hijacking. But um, next week, next week we'll be back. Back on track. What was that? I don't know. I'm starting to get feedback through the connection here. So I think we should just shut it off, go straight to Mungo Jerry, and then get back together next week. All right. Until then, take a sleeve. Goodbye.
but we do as we please When the weather's fine We go fishing or go sailing in the sea We're always happy Last we're living, yeah, that's our philosophy Philosophy 